0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to listen to the Devo podcast. Last week, we didn't have the podcast because there was something uh, awesome happening. It was called FM 72. Many of you were there. It was so cool. So we had 72 hours of prayer and it was a sweet time. However, because of that, we got derailed on where I was hoping to go. I was hoping to kind of get super practical and talk about quiet times, scripture reading, prayer, things like that. Um, we did get to talk about prayer that first week, but then FM 72 happened. So now, uh, we're a little, um, off topic. So next week we're going to be back with talking about how to read scripture. And I debated about throwing together a quick message on how practically to go about solitude, but I don't know if it was FM 72 or what, but I feel like God might have something else for us just right now this week. We'll be back to normal. Uh, But this week we're going to take a little bit of a detour. So, have you ever been in one of those cash wind tunnel machines? You know, it's like one of those things that you stand in, and then uh, they turn it on, and then money goes everywhere, and you kind of have to like reach and grab as many uh, times as you can to get as much money as you can. And to be honest, I've never been in one, uh, nor do I think I've ever seen one. That's just not the kind of circles I run in. However, one time I saw a version of it. I took my son to a birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese, and it shot up tickets, not cash. So it's not near as cool, but I've kind of been near one. Anyways, whole point. I've been thinking about how frantic and confused many of us live our lives. Um, Even when we're in lockdown, quarantine, it seems like we struggle to focus our our desires in the direction that God would have us going. So we have this constant influx of content, and it's like a wind tunnel, and it's like throwing... All kinds of things around and we're reaching for everything and it's a blur, it's chaotic and we feel like we don't have enough time to get what we need. So we're just grasping and grasping and grasping. But let's just pause for a moment. What if we just press pause on your life and examine what have you been frantically reaching for? What if instead of cash, like you were promised, it was just a handful of bills not dollar bills, but like bills you gotta pay. So like instead of reaching for money, you found out you got the opposite of money. You were losing money. The whole illustration reminds me reminds me of one of my favorite verses, uh, Ecclesiastes four nine, which says, "Better is a handful of quiet than two hands full of toil and striving after the wind." And I think that's a lot of us right now in this wind tunnel, this crazy season. Uh, we should pause and just let it settle down and examine what's in our hands. What have we been chasing? It it doesn't take long for many of us to get off track and to find that we've traded our pursuit of Christ-likeness for you fill in the blank, right? Um, So this this message is kind of a heart check, an invitation to press pause on the wind tunnel of your life and to reflect on where your priorities are, to look at what's in your hands. What are you reaching for? What are you striving for? Chances are, if you don't know then you need to hear this message. the reason I say it is because I've never met anyone that stumbled into Christ-likeness. Christ has to be the center and the goal of our attention and desires. Otherwise, we'll go a thousand other places. All right. So let's go and dig in. Uh, Let's listen to this passage. This is Colossians 3, starting in verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. All right. So in this section, Paul is introducing a new imperative uh, to the scripture. So basically meaning he has been offering a ton of explanation as what's uh, happened to followers of Jesus. He's talking about, you know, how we were dead and now we're alive. And he's talking about all that stuff. And now he's saying, this is what it means for you. So throughout the letter, he's been saying that Christ has liberated you from the chains that once connected you to death, sin, and the consequences of law. Uh, the way that Christ did that was by dying on the cross. So whenever he died on the cross, he put death and the way that we used to live to death. Y'all following? So, Uh, Basically, whenever Christ died on the cross, the old way of living was crucified with him. And one of the best ways uh, to explain this is something you actually see quite often. So this is what's symbolized by baptism. When I was younger, I thought that baptism meant that you had to, like, I thought it just meant that you'd been washed clean by Jesus. And that's true, but there's actually a lot more behind baptism. So whenever we baptize somebody and they go underwater, it's a symbol that their old life has died with Christ. So like when Jesus died on the cross, so did their old life. So when they go under the water, as the water rushes over their face, it's as if the ground is covering their face and their old life is being buried. The sin is being put away and put to death. It's cool imagery, right? But there's this whole other side uh, to this, that Christ was resurrected. And with that, he brought new life. So the same goes for us as we rise out of the water in baptism, It's a symbol that we've been risen with Christ, that we have new life. So the old is buried, and then when we come out of the water, it's showing we have new life, and it's wherever Christ is. So this is what Paul is trying to explain to us. When he begins by saying, since then, you have been raised with Christ, meaning since the old you was crucified with Christ, now the new you is being raised with Jesus. However, here's the thing. I've met so many people So many Christians that feel like when I talk to them, like they're still underwater. Are you following me? Like they would agree that the cross wipes away their sin, but it doesn't seem like they've reoriented their life to be wherever Jesus would call them. Like it looks like they're still under the water and uh, it's been put to death, but they haven't raised up to the new life. And yes, this changing of our life is only done through Jesus, but at the same time, there's a responsibility that we have to following his way. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't be instructing us to change the way we think and to set our hearts on a certain place, right? So let's begin with the the simple command that Paul gives us upon entering new life. He says, Since we've been raised with Christ, he says this, Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not earthly things. He says to set your heart on things above, your mind on things above. He's essentially saying to set everything about yourself, meditating on what is above. What is above? Like what's in the he- heavenly realms? Well, the heavenly realms is a place where Christ now sits at the right hand of God. A lot of scholars think that this is a reference to Psalm 110. You should check it out. It's really cool to read with this. And uh, basically what Paul is trying to convey to us is that our crucified king is now in heaven and he reigns over everything and that we are supposed to set our entire being, our passions, our desires, our loves, our actions completely upon the place where Christ now sits. So what does that mean, right? Like, what does it mean to think on heaven? What does it mean to set our minds on heaven where Christ sits? Does that mean we think about like clouds and angels and stuff? I mean, what does that mean? Well, uh, I think this from N.T. Wright is a really good starting point. Listen to what N.T. Wright has to say. He says the Bible does not say very much about heaven, but its central feature is clear. It is the place where the crucified Christ already reigns, where his people have full rights of citizenship. To concentrate the mind on the character of Jesus Christ, on the unique blend of love and strength in the Gospels, is to begin on earth to reflect the very life of heaven. Here's the thing, by Christ setting you free, he has set you free from the bonds and chains that you once had to send to the way of the world. And now because you've been raised with him, you have new bonds, new links, a citizenship that connects you to Christ where he is in the heavens. That being said, even though you have those bonds and those links and that citizenship that's already won for you, you must commit to strengthening them. Well, how do we commit to strengthening them? Um... There's some obvious ones, right? Like we read and we study the scriptures. We commit scripture to memory. We make sure there's a space and time in our lives to speak openly to God and to hear from him in the quiet. We pray, pray, and pray some more. And as we make our way throughout the, out the day, we attempt to train our minds to always rest upon Jesus Christ and who he says he is, who he says we are, and who he says others are. Really, we're like offering up our entire lives as a canvas for God to paint on. Um, So here's the question. Are you committed to centering your life, meaning your heart, your passions, your loves, your actions, all of you? Are you committed to setting that upon who Jesus is? Or does it look like you're still underwater? The other day I was uh, watching an interview with John Lennox and uh, John Lennox is a 76-year-old uh, professor of mathematics at Oxford. So it goes without saying he's brilliant at what he does, and he sounds super cool as he talks about it. However, he's also uh, known for his lectures, books, and debates centered on the topic of apologetics. That's why I was watching him, not mathematics. That's not my field at all. So I was watching this interview with Lennox, and uh, he was giving and answering just insane Uh, questions with crazy sharp intellect, flawless logic, and it was blowing me away. And although I'm impressed by people like this, sometimes I just wonder, hey, do they actually have like a deep life, like a devotion, or is Jesus just like an argument that they're trying to win? Uh, And he totally proved me wrong towards the end of the interview. Uh, He had just answered some crazy intellectual question around apologetics, and then someone asked something along the lines of this, what will you see? Or what will you say when you see heaven? What will you say when you see heaven? And I wrote out his response. I like watched the video and like typed it out because I thought it was so fitting for us. And this is what 76 year old Lennox responded with. Imagine a British accent, and it sounds so much cooler. But just this is such an awesome response and for the end of this of this session that he has. He says this What will I say when eternity dawns? I've often thought of that question. And I think I shall be pretty speechless to start with. And I tell you what I might think. I've often thought this with my wife and I, and we hope we might go together. And as eternity breaks upon us, I might just say this. You know, dear, if I had known it was going to be like this, I would have invested far more in it. (laughs) I love that says, when eternity breaks upon us, I'm just going to turn to my wife and say, you know, if I had known it would be like this, I would have invested far more in it. You know, Paul in verse 4, he says this. He says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. There will be a day for you that eternity dawns. Like you're going to see Christ. And when you see Christ there, you're going to see your life because our new life is bound up in the resurrected Christ who sits at the right hand of God. That new life is what you were made for. And I think all of us will be thinking something along the lines of what John Lennox said. We'll be saying to ourselves, man, if I had known that eternity was going to be like this, if I'd if known the full glory of God was like this, I would have invested so much more in it. So, what are you reaching for? What are you investing in? Where's your mind going? Ask those questions because they're intense, important questions because um, our life isn't just you know what we craft here. Our true life, the life that matters, is a life that is bound up in the resurrected King, Jesus Christ. Set your heart on Christ because when Christ appears, who is your life? Then you also will appear with Him in glory. I love you guys. Y'all have a good one.